me, we're going to go to, uh, we're going to bounce around a little bit. Um, actually, I think it's the, the righteous use of wealth is the, um, the, what I want to speak into this morning, the righteous use of wealth. Uh, how many of you have ever, ever heard the saying, you know, use it or lose it? Use it or lose it. And it's, it's kind of like, like that a little bit in life. And, uh, you know, if, if you stop exercising a muscle, you'll, you'll lose it. If you stop operating in a gift or a skill set, you'll, you'll lose proficiency in it. That whatever we, we don't employ, whatever we don't exercise, whatever we don't use, we're in danger of losing. We're in danger of losing. That's why I even think that one of the, one of the, the, the secret sources to awaken that I think makes us distinct from the other churches is that Leanne and I never had a dream about us. We never had a dream about we're going to go to America and we're going to make our name great. We're going to build a tower whose top is in the heavens to make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered into anonymity. You know, the Tower of Babel, which is the spirit of the world. And it's amazing. You can, you can, you can clothe the spirit of the world in ministry. But if it's all about you making a name for yourself, you know, it's, it's wrong. So uh, you guys are awesome. So, so, so for us, it was, it was always about releasing people, discovering the gold in people. And, you know, while, while, there, while there's a beautiful element, and there are Sundays where I just absolutely love, and even Wednesdays where I absolutely love just sitting and receiving from somebody on our team. And it's so, so funny. I've been with the Jaegers down at um, Eastlake, and I'm like, oh, you know, if I had to, I could easily sit yep, yeah. under a, a, a Mike and Lisa. And then I'm sitting in Bressy and listening to Pastor Samuel and beautiful Pastor Katie Duth, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like one minute I'm laughing, the next minute I'm impacted. I, I could sit under their ministry. And then I'm with Matt and Michaela in uh, in you know, San Marcos and just, just incredible people, fun people that they, they know how to do life. And I'm like, ah, oh, I could, I could sit here. And then I come to Balboa and I'm like, oh dear Jesus, like John and Becky Lynn Heinrichs, is there a greater couple on planet earth? I could sit here. And then, and then, and then Mike and Mike and Katie said, oh yeah, we got the, the uh, Contreras is leading today. And I'm listening to them thinking, oh, Flip, if they were the campus, so I could sit under them and flourish. And then I go out to, to Salt Lake City and it's Matt and Lorraine. I'm like, oh, I could just die and bury me here. And then Idaho, since, so it's kind of, I kind of feel like I can go anywhere now and, uh, and just flourish. But I, I love seeing how people flourish. I love it. And, and I, think, I think there's a, so, so I say all of that to say that like, it's not a bad thing to sit. But I think that we got to do both, you know. Like we, we even even in our philosophy, it's sit, it's soak and soak and serve, and uh, and so I, I think that we we do an injustice to to God. I think there's a grief in the Holy Spirit when when God sends us people, and hey, you know, every every part is, uh, you know. Every position's taken. We don't really need you, but hey, we'd love for you to turn up on a Sunday, warm up you, cheer along, throw in an amen, and you know, tithe real big. I think we do a disservice to the kingdom. You know, I, I, I honestly think that that we have to create the church, the the systems that we have, if they're not identifying 
the gold beneath the dirt. And I think that's discipleship. It's the gold beneath the dirt. It's, it's, not, the, it's not the denying of dirt. It's not the dismissal of dirt. It's not the, the justification of, hey, you got dirt, I got dirt, we all got dirt. Dirt's good. There's nothing dirty about dirt. I, I, think, I think letting people know, hey, there's gold in there, but I'm going to have to dig through some dirt. In fact, you don't just have dirt and some sediment there. You've got some rock layer and... You've got some stuff that, yeah, we need to, we need to kind of drill down into and it's going to be a little bit painful because, you know, pe- people, people generally don't like discipleship. People long for it. People need discipleship. We've been listening. I think it, the distinction of all the pastors that kind of lost their way that went woke, all, all the hyper-grace people, it was because they moved away from discipleship and into salvation. It was all about, hey, we just got to get people safe, so let's dilute this, and let's go soft on abortion, and let's go soft on perversion, and let's go soft on, and hey, you don't really need to, you don't need to do anything. Jesus just loves you, and he, you know, the last thing Jesus would ever do was offend anybody. I'm like, wow, when did you stop reading the Bible? So, all right, so, all right. So I say all of that to say that, you know, how you, how you use, how you use something. Wherever you're at today, I want to show you something that's powerful in the Bible uh, on, on how you can increase and flourish financially. How you can increase and flourish financially. And it all comes down to using whatever is in your hand. Whether you have one talent like I had or whether you're a two-talent or a five-talent person, it doesn't matter. I was complaining to God because this person was a five-talent person. It's easier for them. That person is a two-talent person. It's easier for them. You know, I'm, I'm the one-talent guy. God, I can't take a risk. I've got to bury it in the ground and hide it for fear of losing it. And God's like, you little one-talent scoundrel, go and get wisdom from the five-talent. Go and get wisdom from the two-talent and stop being afraid and start using it in faith and you know very quickly you'll become a two talent guy and then from there you can become a four talent guy and it might take you a step or two longer but you can have the same result stop living under the curse stop living under lack stop living under so go with me to to Luke 16 verse 9 Luke 16 verse 9 Jesus said I say to you then use unrighteous men or make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home, into an everlasting home. In other words, Jesus is saying that that, uh, relationships will outlive money. Saying, I want you to use money, but money money is, is is a transactional piece that we use here on earth. Relationships are forever. We're going to be in heaven forever. We're going to be celebrating together. So Jesus is saying, don't, don't, don't trade the eternal for the temporal. Get your priorities right. You use this temporal thing called wealth to build everlasting, to build eternal relationships. The, the, the problem that we have with most multi-level marketing things is it, it inverts this. It says, use your friends to build wealth. The Bible says, no, no, use wealth to build relationships. They say, hey, exploit your relationships to build wealth. 
Does that make sense? So now come with me. We're going to go to, to Luke chapter 8, uh, to Luke, to Genesis chapter 18. I've been wanting to preach on this for the longest time because it's so controversial. <laughs> it shouldn't be, but it is. All right, so uh, here we go. Genesis 18 verse 1. The Lord appeared. Oh, hang on. I'm reading from the NLT or some weird translation. All right. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and he noticed three men standing nearby. So Abraham ran in, got his shotgun and took out two of them while the third... Oh, that's not what happened. Sorry. Now, I want you to notice Abraham does not see three men standing by his tent as a threat. And, and it's not that they couldn't have been a threat. It's not that there were, weren't bandits or thieves or robbers. Abraham's looking and he sees these three men. And he sees that they're not trying to attack. It's the middle of the day. They're, they're not armed. They're not, look, you know, they're not conspiring anything. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough and, makes, and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf. They had veal that day and gave it to the servant who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and some milk and the roasted meat, and he served it to the men. And he served it to the men. He doesn't even know their names. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year. And your wife, Sarah, who's 89 at this current moment, will have a son. Sarah was listening to the conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn-out old woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. <laughs> now watch this. Visitor, visitor, visitor. Then the Lord. When the Bible talks about hospitality, because some have accidentally or inadvertently entertained angels. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say... Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. 
Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I, I didn't laugh. I was sneezing, coughing. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh, you little scallywag. Verse 16, then the men got up from the meal and they looked out towards Sodom and they left Abraham and they, sorry, as they, as they left, Abraham went with them to send them on their way. Should I hide my plan from Abraham? The Lord asked. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation and the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. So the Lord said to Abraham, I've heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. The other men turned and headed towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abram. Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living in that city. Will, will you sweep it away and not spare it for the, for the sake of the 50? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why would you be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same? Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, if I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I'll spare the entire city for their sake. Then Abraham realized Sodom wasn't known for its pottery. <laughs> That's a really bad Simpsons joke, but let's keep going. So then Abraham <laughs> pressed and said, all right, suppose there are only 40. The Lord replied, I will not destroy, destroy it for the sake of 40. Please don't be angry, my Lord, Abraham re re pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose there's 30. God says, all right, 30, I won't destroy it. Abraham said, all right, uh, since I've dared to speak all these times, let me speak one more time. Suppose there are only 20. And the Lord replied, that I'll not destroy it for the sake of 20. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me. If I speak one more time, suppose only 10 in an entire city. There are only 10 godly, God-following, God-honoring people that are found there. The Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of the ten. When the Lord had finished this conversation with Abraham, he went on his way and Abraham returned to his tent. Now, that's the end of chapter 18. We're going to go into chapter 19. Now, I just want to say this, that uh, there's, you know, th there's a faction of the church that is very, very judgment happy, that this is God's judgment on America. God is judging America because of America's sins, and God is judging. There's, there's a lot more righteous people in America. In fact, I, I, would even, I would even say while there's wickedness in America, you know, we don't just have the 10, the 20, the 30, the 40, the, the 50. We, we, America has, and so I don't really buy into. Now, God's judgment is always upon the wicked, but the God of all the earth does not judge the wicked and the righteous together. The judgment falls on the wicked and spares the righteous. So don't don't throw your hat in the ring that you know America deserves it because you know we're all you know, we're, we're, anyway. So now go go to go to nineteen verse one. It says that evening the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he got out his shotgun, shot one of them. No, sorry. Have a look. Watch this. Watch this. 
See, I've, I'd always had a problem with Lot. If I was honest with you, I didn't really like Lot. Lot was like a, but he lost his daddy. So I'm like, oh man, I'm meant to have some compassion for him. He lost, you know, his daddy Haran, but ah, oh, you know, he's just a brat. And, uh, you know, he ends up living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible calls him righteous Lot, how righteous Lot was tormented daily by the things that he saw and the things that he heard. I'm like, if you're tormented daily, move the frick out. But no, he's living in there because he's caught up in the, the sexual perversion. And But anyway, so, so I didn't really like Lot. And so this time I'm reading this story and then I get smacked in the face. When he saw the two angels, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guests for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Oh, no, they replied. We'll just spend the night out here in the open square. But Lot insisted, Lot insisted so at last, they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast, and they ate. But before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. And they shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out here so we can have sex with them. So Lot stepped outside to talk with, to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers. What the hell you call him? Anyway, please, my brothers, he begged. Don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you and you can do to them as you wish. But please leave these men alone for they are my guests uh, and are under my protection. The men shouted back, wonderful, your daughters are very beautiful and what we were doing is quite reprobate. Sorry. They said, stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as an outsider. Now he's acting like our judge. Oh, we're going to treat you far worse than those other men. Hang on, I thought you wanted to be loving and kind and it's all inclusive and love is love and... We're going to treat you far worse. What we're going to do to you is worse than what, what the, what? So they, they lunged toward Lot to break down the door, but the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, bolted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house, so they gave up trying to get inside. Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot, do you have any other relatives here in the city? They asked, get them out of this place, your sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone else, for we are about to destroy the city completely. The outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy it. What an incredible passage of Scripture. So the, the, the first thing I want you to, to see from this is that hospitality, Hospitality is, is a, an incredibly powerful thing. When Abraham looks up and he sees the three men, the first thing Abraham does is he recognizes that the men who, who are around him carry something. They carry a blessing. And he knows the way to unlock the blessing is through blessing them. 
When you bless, you are blessed. When you refresh, you are refreshed. When you give, it is given, pressed down, shaken together. So Abraham goes and he bows with his face to the ground. He honors them. And then he washes their feet. And then he prepares a feast and he refreshes them. In the refreshing of them, they release a prophetic word. They release a blessing over Abraham. And they said, where's your wife, Sarah? Oh, she's in, in, in the tent. She's you know, just cleaning up after this time next year, she's going to have a baby. She laughs. But Abraham, Abraham releases, a, God has been telling him a, a child's going to come. But Abraham uses his wealth, he uses his resources to bless and refresh, to honor. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's an anomaly, it's something that we've lost in the Western world, but the Eastern world understands that the, the value system, and the value system, it, we have a very, very transaction. In fact, our value system is built on justice and punishment. Whereas the, the Eastern world is built on, it's built on honor. It, it's an honor culture. It's, 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 it's honor and it's reproach or shame. That if you dishonor, like there's a guy in the Bible called Nabal who dishonored David and his men and, you know, you end up finding him, you know, he gets taken out. Abraham honors. Abraham takes his resources and blesses these complete strangers. It's, it's, it's something I, I, I want you to, to capture that God has given you and I wealth. And the way that we use that wealth, the way that we bless. Today, my Bible reading was on Jacob and Laban. Laban continually rips off Jacob with his wages. And what ends up happening for him, because of his misuse of wealth, he loses all his money. But because Jacob honors God with his wealth, he increases so much so that Laban is considering killing Jacob to, to get all his stuff back because the blessing of the Lord is on Jacob and it's not on Laban. How you use what is, if you will use what is in you to honor God, if you will use what is in you to bless people, if you will use, God will bring moments, God will bring strangers. You know, Becky Lynn probably does this better than almost anybody that, I, that I've seen. She'll be in the, 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 the grocery mart and there'll be a lady in front struggling and God will say to Becky, pay for her and she'll pay for that person. So I remember times where Becky's bought people's shoes. We can look and, and, and you get those, those nasty reprobates on social media that will post a photo of, oh, look at John and Becky's home. Oh, how can pastors have this home? I remember being in their home, their previous home, uh, and another pastor says, wow, y'all get this home before you got into ministry? Because they can't understand, because their thinking is that they're a minister, but, but their thinking is world thinking. They think you're secular thinking. They, they don't understand kingdom things. It's like, no, 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 no. Because they honor. Abraham sees three men. He doesn't even know their names. He doesn't know who they are. But he knows that if he will use his wealth to honor, to bless and refresh, whatever is on them will flow. A, a blessing will come to him. 
in the, in the Eastern world, you, want, you wanted blessing. You wanted people to bless. You didn't want people to curse you. So you realize that your position was to bless, was to refresh, was to nourish, was to feed. Now come, I did not like Lot. But when you get to, to Genesis 19, when Lot sees the strangers, Lot's response was very different to the men of the city. Lot was carrying the same DNA. He was carrying the same culture. He was carrying the same morality and principles of Abraham. When he sees the men, he rushes out to them, bows before them. Abraham bowed and he said, let me wash your feet. Abraham washed their feet. And then he brings them into his home, into the, sh the shade and the, and the comfort and the protection of his house. And then he prepares a great feast for them with unleavened bread. In other words, he's blessing and refreshing. Because of Lot, now remember, God says, I won't destroy the city if I find 10 righteous people. Lot's daughters are engaged to fiancés who when, when Lot says, hey, we've got to go, they're going to destroy, they laugh at him. Even his sons-in-law that his daughters were going to marry were not righteous men. And so they perish with, with the city. It's only Lot his wife and his two daughters, and even then his wife couldn't, she looked back and she got turned into a pillar of salt. So there was only three people that were saved in an entire city because of its wickedness and because of its corruption. But Lot literally made sure he secured his salvation that day because of the way that he did hospitality, the way that he used his wealth, the way that he honored, the way that he blessed, the way that he freshed. If you can see the first, the first use of your money is to build friendships. I say to you, use unrighteous mammon to make friends for yourself so that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. If you want to increase what you have, use it righteously. Use it for the kingdom. The Bible says, he who waters will himself be watered. He who refreshes others will also be, be refreshed. If you will see your wealth as an opportunity to bless other people, to refresh other people, to minister to other people. So the first thing we saw with Abraham when he blessed, a prophetic word was released. The next thing that happened was prophetic plans were revealed. God says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but seeing that Abraham is going to be such a great man and of him, I'm going to make a great nation. Should I really hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? So, so, so Abraham, all he's done is, is cook food for him. Wash their feet. You would think domestic duties. You would think, you know what, just, just give them a hundred dollar, go to Red Lobster. <laughs> guys, you guys hungry? Here's a hundred dollar gift card someone gave me for Christmas. I probably won't use it, so I'm just going to do it. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He blesses and refreshes them. Not only, not only does he release a, a, a blessing, release a miracle over his own house, but plans are revealed. Supernatural plan, prophetic insight is given to him. This is what's going to happen to this city. Abraham has knowledge of the destruction that's coming to Sodom and Gomorrah before the destruction comes to Sodom and Gomorrah. He knows the plans and the purpose of God while the, the people in the city are still partying and drinking and revelry and planning all their wickedness. He has prophetic insight because there's something super. I'm not even sure if I, I'm, I'm preaching this the way that. 
there's something about the power of hospitality. There's something about the, the righteous use of money. If you can see the money in your hand, the first thing, the greatest thing, the highest thing is to bless and refresh. It will release blessing. It will release the miraculous. It will release the prophetic. But because of Lot, Lot literally secured his deliverance and his salvation. Lot released a miracle. He released his own salvation because Lot did exactly what Abraham did. He came to the strangers and he recognized. And even when the men came, the men came and surrounded the house saying, bring out the men who came to you that we may have sex with them. Lot went out and says, guys, what you are doing is wicked. I have, I have virgin daughters, you know, which is a whole nother messy message. He says, but these men have come under my protection. In other words, Lot was saying that, 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 that I am responsible for their welfare. Like you, you're, you're violating a principle and a statute that, that, that if any harm comes to them, like you will rob me of a blessing. This is how we treat strangers. This is, this is the complete opposite spirit to Cain murdering Abel. When God comes to Cain and says, where's, where's your brother? What am I, my brother's keeper? God's like, well, you're meant to be. It's, it's, it's not the spirit of the world which is take and exploit. The men of the city sit around, surround, young and old, saying, bring out the men that we may have sex with them. So you guys like having sex with men? Yeah, we do. Well, well. Get on with it. Like, leave, leave these two alone. Like what? All the men of the city. This is what you're into. Knock yourselves out. Just leave these guys alone. But it's a spirit that is insatiable. You need to hear that. It is a spirit that has to dress in drag queen hour. It has to go into our libraries. It has to get into the curriculum of our schools and our preschools because it cannot be satisfied. It, it, it is a spirit that is a satanic spirit because it seeks to defile whatever is. Listen, they, had no, they have no value on marriage. Just want you to know. You know, do you believe, you know, same sex marriage? Well, you know, it's just like people are lonely and, you know, if two people like love each other and they want to exit. Listen, Elton John was one of the biggest, most vocal people saying, what the hell are you guys doing? The homosexual community, we, we don't care about marriage. They, they, he has an open, his partner has an open relationship. They they have multiple, it's all about perversion. It's all about not being tied down to one person in a monogamous relationship. It's all about perversion. It's like, what are you talking about? But the reason they went after it is because it's not that they wanted what we have, a monogamous, they wanted to defile what God instituted. They wanted to defile the sanctity and the beauty of the marriage covenant. They, they, they didn't want it because they said, oh, you know, we just want to be. 
they, they're not content unless they defile what is pure, unless they defile what is innocent. Bring out the men that we may have sex with them. Not bring out the men, hey, is there anything they need? Can we build them uh, a cart? Do they need transportation? What are their names? You know, what's their favorite cigar? None of that. It's like bring out the men so that we can violate them. And Lot goes out and says, guys. And then they're like, this man came here as a stranger. Now he acts as judge. The hell are you talking about, judge? He came out pleading for their lives, saying, I've got virgin daughters. Like, come on. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, we see what you're doing. Oh, you're, you're, you're judging our lifestyle choices? Oh, he's the intolerant one. He doesn't believe that love is love. Yeah, we, hey, notice we don't see no rainbow flag above his door. What we're going to do to you is going to be even worse than what we're going to do to them. Hang, hang on, what? So you're judging me for protecting them and out of your own mouth, you said that what you want to do to them was pretty bad? And because I'm protecting them, you're going to do worse to me than what you intend. You're damn right I'm freaking protecting them. You guys are. It's a spirit that is in the world that the church stands up to. We stand up to this, to that spirit. It's a, it's a spirit of perversion. It is never satisfying. And I'm out of time. All right, come on, stand to your feet. So let me just say this, that, you know, my beautiful Liani, I know, uh, gets attacked because she's still on Instagram. I got, I got banned. So I'm kind of just oblivious to all the attacks. It's kind of the benefit, I guess, of being. But I, I honestly think that we're not doing anything right. Like... They said to Lot, and Lot was my brethren, which messes me up, my brothers. But as soon as it come to him standing up for truth and standing up for righteousness, he's like, guys, this is not how we treat strangers who come to our city looking for shelter and protection. We We don't let them leave. And they were raped and violated and... You took and extracted and the spirit of the world exploits, it oppresses, it takes, it violates. He says, guys, this is not how we treat people. This guy came here as a stranger. Now he sits as judge. We're going to do the spirit of the world. It hates the spirit of Christ. It hates the spirit of God. It hates what is pure. We are protectors of what is pure. We are protectors of what is right. We are protectors of what is honorable. Philippians 4 verse 8, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Let your mind be filled with these things. There is a spirit in the world. It's a satanic spirit. It's interesting. Jesus said about the Antichrist, He says, this is how you'll you'll identify him. When you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, all abomination leads to desolation. 
Wherever you let perversion, it, it will make desolate. Wherever you bring purity and righteousness, it'll, it'll be fruitful. Desolate is like a, de a desert. It's, it's barren. It's dry. There's no fruit. There's no water. There's no sustenance. Abomination, perversion, always, it, it, it kills. It dry. There's no blessing from God. On So Satan seeks to go into the very, very holy of holies. And there was a guy called Antiochus Epiphanes in between Malachi and Jesus in the time of the Maccabees who went in, the, 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 the Grecian Empire went into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, and he sacrificed a pig on the Holy of Holies above the ark. And, uh, and then they ransacked and destroyed the temple and so many Jews lost their lives and then the Maccabean revolt rose up. It's, it's wonderful history to, to read. But the Antichrist always seeks to defile what is holy, to defile what is holy. That, that, that's, why, that's why what's happening in our schools is happening in our schools. That's why we had to start Awaken. We realized, my God, this is so defiled. We can't fix it. We've got to get the, we've got to get the righteous out and we've got to start. And people don't want the defile because they know it leads to desolation. They want their children fruitful. They want their marriages fruitful. They want their relationships fruitful. They want their minds fruitful. They want their... Come on, let's, let's lift our hands high to heaven. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for, for the opportunity that you gave each and every one of us that we can be a blessing. We can bless and refresh. Hospitality means the love and the care of strangers. Father, let us be those people in this city that, that is, it is said of us that, that these are the people that love. These are the people that are kind. These are the people that care. These are the people that bless and refresh. But let us always be the people that stand up for truth and stand up for righteousness to protect what is pure and to call out what is unholy and defiling in Jesus name everybody said amen, amen. come on would you welcome